Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. We are here in Melbourne, quite a rainy afternoon actually, so yeah, you may be able to hear the rain in the background, but look, today what we are here to get into is the NRL Power Hour, checking out all the action from the NRL in round 24, and if you haven't heard this podcast before, basically it's just a wrap up of the entire round, we've got some four performance highlights at the end as well. The X Factor player of the round, the Tough Stuff performance highlight, which essentially is the player across the whole round who I thought just had the toughest performance. A, a lot of the unheralded work, kind of up front and in the middle of the field. So I'll get to that at the end. And of course, the Rising Star nomination for the best young player of the round and the cause for concern which side in the NRL, which side's concerning me. And for the first time, we're going to see a new side this year pick up the cause for concern, which isn't great for them. But now, let's get into the round. Nine teams left in the Premiership race going into round 24 as we hit our Thursday night opening game. It's fair to say as well, the wheels have well and truly fallen off in Brisbane Eels getting it done 53-6 to over the Brisbane Broncos. Parramatta absolutely running rampant. It was 31-6 by halftime. And the Broncos, they have had a spectacular fall from grace to go from being a side right in the mix for a top four finish to now they look gone. They actually look all but gone here after this round. I mean, unless... It's going to take a lot. It's actually going to take a lot. Maybe even too much. I haven't had a look at the exact ladder just yet. But yeah, it they may have left it too late and totally shit the bed. It's actually incredible. 53-6. to six, That is coming off a performance last weekend where the Broncos had 60 points put on them by the Storm. So that's 113 points conceded in two games for a side that were playing for their spot in the finals. It's, it's been remarkable the way this has all gone down. So we've seen the Broncos free fall from the top four all the way down to ninth. And they are on 28 competition points, as are the Raiders. Raiders are on plus 17 for and against. And the Broncos minus 26. So Broncos, they absolutely need the Raiders to lose to the Tigers and Broncos need to beat the Dragons. So there are a lot of ifs, and this should be the position that the Raiders find themselves in. They were the ones who were relying on other results. They were the ones who looked the long shot to make finals, and Broncos have spectacularly fumbled the bag, and now they find themselves in that position where they are a long shot and pretty much all but gone, which is really devastating considering the majority of this season has been so promising for Brisbane. Now, well, they're going to be left picking up the pieces. Then you look at the Eels coming off this huge win, and they are on equal competition points to the Melbourne Storm. Now, the differential is far too great, but here's the interesting part. Eels fifth, Storm fourth, these two sides are going to meet each other in the final round of the season. So, that's huge. Eels, they are one game and one win away from a top four finish. And despite all their inconsistencies, they are still right in the premiership hunt. Now, as far as the talking points, well, there's no bigger talking point than the fact that the Broncos got tailed up, absolutely tailed up, yet again. And the, just the way it happened, I actually tipped the Broncos because I still didn't have any trust in the Eels. 
but the Broncos, their body language, their defense, everything that they have to play for and what they've dished up, it's, yeah, it's really concerning. Now, their season is officially on life support. They're all but gone. They are all but gone. And even if they qualify for finals now, they are going to be limping into the finals series. They have really been set back by the Patrick Carrigan loss. I speak about it every week, but it's become clearly evident how important Patrick Carrigan is to the middle third of the field. Payne Haas, he's a superstar. We don't even know if he's going to be in Brisbane next year after he requested an early release midway through this season. But Patrick Carrigan, he needs to be the priority. I really do not think it can be understated just how big a loss he is in the middle. His communication, it's what brings everyone together defensively. And then his actual physical body of work, when it does come to defense, Carrigan is the heart and soul of this Broncos team, and he has been sorely missed. Then you have the dummy half, Jake Turpin, who, yeah, had a pretty poor game last couple of weeks, and he's not going to be retained by the Broncos. So it's really a bad time for him when he's looking for a new team to pick up his contract and say, come and join us. Now, the Newcastle Knights were briefly mentioned, maybe a side like the Eels, the Titans, but all the interest has supposedly worn off. So for Jake Turpin, he's playing for his future. And I do think there are a couple of sides within the NRL that could definitely use a player like Jake Turpin. Onto the Eels though. And this is a very exciting time for Parramatta fans. They have premiership ambitions and now they find themselves in a spot where they are right in contention. They're not top of the ladder, and it's not the easiest road, but they have an opportunity to finish in the top four, meet the Panthers in week one of the finals, and make a real statement. Let's not forget, this season, Eels 2-0 over the Panthers, which is incredible. Genuinely incredible, considering I believe Storm are the only side that have also beaten the Panthers. I'm not sure whether they dropped another one, memory a little bit hazy on this Monday morning. But yeah, like Eels 2-0. and So they are going to be super confident that they can get the job done over the Panthers. But firstly, they're going to have to beat the Storm next round. Now, they're a complete side. That's what I really like about Parramatta. Their halves I spoke about in the weekly preview. Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses. I think the Eels need to do everything in their power to try and keep these two at the club. Just the way that they combine together and for how long the Eels had searched for a genuine long-term halves pairing, now that they've got one, they can't afford to not lock these guys down. If they let them walk, it's just not what you want. I mean, for so long, the Eels, they just lacked a proper combination of elite halves that could take them to a premiership and now they have it. So they have to keep that together. They've also got an awesome Ford pack. You've got the front row, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Paolo. Both have played at international and origin level. Then you have someone like Sean Lane, who is absolutely braining it. Ryan Matteson, who made his origin debut this year. Isaiah Papali'i, potentially the best back rower in the game. And Reed Marnie at dummy half. Not to mention guys like Micah Sivo, and Clint Gutherson. So they really are a complete side. I do think that they can go all the way. And next week is going to be the biggest test for them yet. Up against the Storm. Now the contrast in terms of how the fans would be feeling. Of both these clubs. It must just be incredibly big. The gap. You've got the Broncos. Who their fans would be so disappointed. I can't even imagine. My side, the Warriors, they don't even really get to this point of letting me down. Like, I already usually know, like, eight weeks out, like, okay, we're not going to make finals again. But for the Broncos, they could taste it. They could smell it. Home finals. They were at a point where they were looking like they would at least get one Suncorp Stadium final. They would be liking their chances. 
confidence high and it's just, it's gone wrong. The wheels have fallen off. In my opinion, the Broncos look tired. I think they've had a big season. Some of them have played Origin. I think a few of them are carrying injuries. Like Kurt Capewell, I definitely think is playing well below his best. And yeah, they're just tired. That much evident by the fact that Selwyn Cobbo was rested from this game, which was a big talking point as well, to rest one of your stars in such an important clash. But that does tell me that Brisbane, they've put everything into this season, and unfortunately for them, they haven't peaked at the right time, and now they've kind of emptied the reserves. They look tired, and they don't look like they have anything to really give. So I do think finals is done for them. They look lost for answers. And we saw a big spray from the coach, Kevin Walters. He really let them know about it, which I think is fair. I think anyone in that changing room, you can't really be like, ah, you know, F Kevy. He, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yes, he does. Six premierships. He has given his blood, sweat and tears in that Broncos jersey. And he knows exactly what it is like to be a part of a successful Broncos outfit. So you've got to take his words on board. This guy knows what he's talking about. And it's going to be really interesting to see what moves Brisbane make. And the talk, there's no doubt going to be a hell of a lot of criticism once they fall out of the eight, which they have, but once that's confirmed. And Kevin Walters has gone from a coach who's been so praised And I just know how things go. If Broncos have a really poor season next year, he's going to be under the pump. His job's going to be on the line. And we've already seen just how good the Broncos can play under Kevy Walters. So there is a lot of pressure looming over one of the big clubs. They're supposed to be a powerhouse of the competition. And it's been a long time since they have been a powerhouse. That is what Kevin Walters is trying to do or has been trying to do rather. And look, Broncos, they are supposed to be successful. So the fact that they are not, and the fact in the last couple of weeks that they have been so far from successful, does ring some alarm bells. For Parramatta, I mentioned Sean Lane. He is in career best form on that edge and had 13 tackle breaks in this one. 13 tackle breaks. Sean Lane has provided a real point of difference out on that edge. And I think Parramatta, things are just, they seem to be clicking at the right time. Everyone is starting to really come into their own with finals right on our doorstep. Now, Sean Lane absolutely killed it, but my most valuable player in this one, King Gutho, Clint Gutherson. You want to talk about a heart and soul player? as Carrigan is for the Broncos. I think that's what Gutherson is for the Eels. He is a co-captain, and he had a genuine captain's knock in this one. Two tries for Gutho, two try assists. He ran for 189 meters, a line break, and five tackle breaks. Just some of the notable stats. Two try assists, two tries. That really set him apart. Like, he had an absolute blinder, in a game where he needed to. Broncos won the reverse fixture only a month or so ago, and this Eels side looked totally different to the inconsistent side that we have seen all year. Gutherson led from the front. He was my most valuable player. I thought Wunga Blake was quality as well. Three line breaks for him. And on the Broncos side of some stats that are not so enviable, Ezra Mam, eight missed tackles. I thought he had another poor game. Although clearly he's their long-term guy. So I don't think it hurts to give him some experience. But Tyson Gamble, I would say. Tyson Gamble should probably come in. It's hard to say. Ezra Mam is so awesome with ball in hand. But he's been a major target for defense. And he could be someone, even though he's only played about half a season... I think Ezra Mam could be one who maybe is a bit tired. He's been playing at a high level for quite a while now in only his first season. So Ezra Mam, eight missed tackles. And Kurt Capewell, seven missed tackles. So that goes back to what I was saying. Capewell, he's carrying an injury. We already know that. 
but he's well below 100%, and I think it's hurting the team. That combination defensively of Ezra Mam and Kurt Capewell, 15 missed tackles between them. So that channel is obviously a major target. Kurt Capewell not at his best physically, Ezra Mam not the strongest defender, and that imbalance there is creating a huge point that teams can exploit, and they have in the last couple of weeks. So Ezra Mam, Kurt Capewell, both really poor games from great players. Six errors between the Broncos' wingers as well. We had Corey Oates, and just trying to rack my brain, it wasn't Hoyta, uh, Jordan Pereira, that's right. Uh, six errors between them. So three each. The Broncos' wingers did nothing to get themselves in the game. They tried as hard as they could, running and trying to gain meterage, but too many errors, and that really did not help. It felt like once Broncos knew they were done in this game, they dropped their heads, and their body language, that was what was really concerning, given how much there still is in their season to play for. They just looked like they really conceded defeat and let the game get away from them. Four errors from Billy Walters as well. I don't know if he still lives with his parents. Probably not. Uh, but if he does, well, Kevy will be saying, mate, you are grounded. Four errors. Not, not the best game from a player who's had a fantastic season, though, overall. Now, next up, Broncos play the Dragons away from home. They have to win this, and then they have to sit and wait and rely on the West's Tigers. Like, honestly, that in itself is quite comical. If And respectfully, respectfully to the Tigers. Again, I go for the Warriors. We are in the same boat. But if I had to pick any side to rely on and be like, okay, if these guys win, we're playing finals. If I had the option, like, okay, you can remove one of the other 15 teams. It'll be randomly selected who you have to rely on but there's one team you can just pick to never have to rely on. I would go the Tigers. I don't think there's a side that is more unreliable. So Broncos have to rely on the Tigers, and they have to beat the Dragons. So a tough ask now. They really have let the season get away from them. Whilst the Eels, there are some marquee games next weekend, but this is my Round 25 game of the round. Eels hosting the Storm. Top four on the line. It doesn't get much better than that. Of course, Eels already holding a victory over the Storm this year, as well as two last year, including one where they stopped that record-breaking Melbourne Storm run. So, Eels, all of a sudden, if they beat the Storm and play the Panthers, it's, it's such a weird thing because they've proven they can beat these best sides. Most sides don't want to come up against Penrith week one. They don't want to play the Storm for a spot in the top four. But the Eels know they can beat these sides, and they've proven more than once, not in some lucky flash-of-the-pan moment, but they have proven more than once that they can get the job done over the big teams. Of course, I will be previewing every game as well, coming out during the week, the NRL Round 25 Preview. So, of course, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, every week there's a preview, and then this one, the NRL Power Hour. So, if you've been enjoying the podcast today, don't forget to follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. You'll be able to see whenever the preview drops. And, of course, if you follow us over on Instagram, at Not Just a Sports Report, you'll be able to see plenty of different things. Got a lot of different visual content going up. NRLW previews, NRLW weekend wraps. There's a lot. There's a lot on the Instagram. So if you want to keep up with all of that, at Not Just a Sports Report on Instagram. But now it is time to launch into the Friday games. On to the Friday action now. Starting with our early Friday game. My side, the Warriors, going down 46-12, up against the minor premiers, the reigning premiers, and the favourites to be back-to-back premiers, the Penrith Panthers. Reese Walsh actually scored the first try. That didn't fill me with a lot of hope. I kind of knew 
what was going to go down. It was all Panthers from there on out. And look, this was mainly about the Panthers. They were $1.01 favourites. And they played like it as well. So an easy win for the Panthers. Jerome Luai returning as well. So that is a massive in for the side. For the Warriors, Sean Johnson going down with an injury. So it looks like he'll miss the last round of the year. And look, I'm just going to say on Sean Johnson, some talks about should he retire? Should he do this? Despite when I say, you know, Warriors are crap, like we are. I'm a supporter, so I'm just going to say I support Sean Johnson. I want to see what he can do with another season under his belt. Not that he's not had plenty already, but it was a disrupted year. I want to see how he goes based in Auckland with the Warriors operating um, closer to normalcy is the best way I can put it after the last few years. So Sean Johnson, hopefully a speedy recovery. And I'm keen to see what he can do for us next year. For the Panthers, they are the competition favourites. They look likely to go back to back, although we are starting to see some genuine challenges emerge. Panthers are heavyweights of the competition. Well, that would make the Warriors lightweights. They are just not in the same weight class. Panthers significantly faster, stronger. Every play executed better. So, yeah, it's, it is a bit disheartening to see just how far away the Warriors are from being a top side. But look, we've got Panthers assistant coach Andrew Webster coming on board as the coach next year. So I'm very excited to see what he can do. Not expecting him to turn things around overnight. I, I think this Warriors operation might take a couple of years to really get anything decent because we've come out of this Nathan Brown era looking worse than we did fucking like a couple of coaches ago. Like Stephen Kearney, those times even looked more promising. And then Todd Payton, we really started making leaps forward and just massively regressed in the Nathan Brown era. Now the Stacey Jones era, we've got the interim coach, we've paid Matt Lodge out to go and absolutely kill it at the Roosters. And yeah, it's just a bit of a shit show. Now, MVP for this one, Brian Toto. He gave everyone a timely reminder of just how good he is on the sting. And of course, he's expected with 12 other Panthers players to be rested in the final game of the season. Toto scored two tries against the Warriors, ran for 199 meters and had seven tackle breaks. Toto too good, the minor premiers too good and Warriors with a lot of work to do. Next up, final game of the season, Warriors host the Titans. Uh, that's one we can win, so yeah, I'll probably be more keen to watch that. Also one we can definitely lose, so we'll see how that goes. And in the final round of the season, Panthers play the Cowboys in Townsville, and they're expected to rest their whole starting team. So that gives Cowboys an epic chance to claim second spot on the ladder, which Sharks will not be pleased about. But Panthers have been saying they're going to do this for quite a while now. So, look, that's really their decision. They finished minor premiers. They don't have anything to play for in this game other than a finals warm-up. And we've seen players get tired. Look at the Cowboys who've suffered that at times and the Broncos. So it's a good chance for the Panthers players to rest their legs Ahead of the final series, Panthers and Cowboys in Townsville. That is going to be a cracking game. And i tell you what else was a cracking game. Our Friday night fixture in round 24. We saw the Roosters earn their seventh straight win, 18-14 over the Storm, in a game that has well and truly shaken up the ladder. As I mentioned a bit earlier, Storm now find themselves in the position where they are going to have to play head-to-head -head against the Eels for that top four spot. Whilst the Roosters now move into sixth place, they are in good areas. They could move up to fifth, but fifth or sixth, you get a home final. They are going to be playing the Rabbitohs as well, who are in seventh. So there are still plenty of movements on this ladder to be made, but Storm... They booked their spot in the finals. 
or the fucking Roosters, sorry, live mix-up. Well, they both booked their spot in the finals, so I guess you could say that. But Roosters getting the win in this one on Friday night, 18-14. to Now, they went ahead 2-0, did the Roosters through a penalty, but then it looked like the Melbourne Storm were going to take the lead. Justin Olin scored what seemed to be a try, but once they slowed it down, which we love to do in the NRL, they realised no try. So Justin Olin was disallowed a try, and shortly after that, the first try was scored, but by a Roosters player. Daniel Tupo crossing to get the Roosters up 8-0. Then Joey Manu scores off a Luke Carey kick to really edge the Roosters ahead. And I thought Luke Carey was brilliant in this game. He really seems like he's starting to warm back to the player that we know he is. He's got his combination working with Sam Walker, which at times this season, that was a big criticism of the Roosters. So I think the idea of moving Sam Walker to halfback and Carey playing 5'8", that has really helped to turn this club around. And Luke Carey, I thought it was one of the better games he's played this entire season. Then we see Jared Waria Hargreaves, he put the high tackle on Nelson Asofa Solomona, 10 in the bin, and a lot of talk about Jared being a grub. I say play on, they're front rowers, yeah, I would expect them to get into a bit of that, I know it's not the safest, but Jared Waria Hargreaves getting sent for 10 in the bin, which that really opened the door for the Storm, who managed to get a Xavier Coates try as well as a penalty goal to get it up to 14-8 halftime. So Roosters still leading, but that sin bin definitely opened the door. Then Joseph Suwali, he did his best to close that door, scoring a try after the break. But Storm were not done with. Jerome Hughes made an incredible break through the middle of the field, nearly ran the field and was tackled, and then they ended up getting it out to Nick Meany, who scored a try. So at this point, look, it was a game on. And Storm did have a few chances to win it, but they couldn't get it done in the end. Roosters holding on for the 18-14 victory. Now we see Lindsay Collins. He looks to be suspended for a number of weeks, which that could rule him out of the final series, or at least the majority of it. That is a really crucial loss for the Roosters. We saw Victor Radley as well. He picked up a HIA, head injury assessment. Yeah, that looked like a nasty knock. And he had a seizure afterward, but he was up and about after the game. So hopefully one to two weeks rest and he'll be good because the Roosters absolutely need Victor the Inflictor. A lot of the talk as well this week. Cameron Munster, is it a done deal to the Dolphins? We'll have to wait and see. I, I don't like to speculate on the contract stuff too much. It feels like that is the way it's going to go. But yeah, I just feel like sometimes we could get there in a more roundabout way. Sometimes it's, a lot of the time there's talk every night and every day. What's he going to do? Oh, here's this development. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't need to know exactly where it is in contract negotiations. I try to share it on this podcast because not everyone's like me. You may want to know the nitty gritty of all of these deals. But yeah, I think Cameron Munster to the Dolphins. Looks like it's going to happen. And I'm sure the media are going to have a field day bringing that up all throughout the Storm's finals run. For the Storm, they now have to play off for that spot in the top four. Double chance. That's a really big deal for a side that have struggled at points this year. So, big game for the Storm next round. Big game for the Roosters next round as well. And they are well and truly on their Premiership tilt. Seven straight wins. That The foundation for it has really been their physicality. Up front, guys like Waria Hargreaves, Matt Lodge, and then someone like Joseph Suwali'i, who he's taken tough carries. And he's been really physical for someone at such a young age. Seven straight wins. Roosters hoping to come into the finals on the back of eight straight wins, which makes them as dangerous as any side in that top eight. And the thing that is even more dangerous, the Roosters are already developing that next generation. 
Now, they've got Sam Walker, Victor Radley, still very young, Joseph Suwali. I don't know how to... Is it Suwali? Is it Suwali'i? I'll watch this space. I'll work it out. Um, but, like, they've got these really good young kids. They've got Joshua Wong, who's yet to debut, but has been likened to some of the great back rowers. Some Boyd Cordner. There were Boyd Cordner comparisons. So, look, Joshua Wong seems like he is going to be quality. And Roosters... They had a few few under-19s origin stars as well. A couple in the Queensland side. I know that. So they've got some really good young kids who are just starting to emerge as that next generation of the Roosters. Sydney, they're not looking to dip. They're not looking to have a rebuilding phase. They are looking to continue to transition from this system where they have superstar players at the top. They have some players who well and truly just earn their stripes through consistent hard work. I'm thinking of someone like Nat Butcher, who has put in the mileage. He's kind of done his rite of passage as this young, unheralded kid who could barely break into the Roosters' side, to a bench player over a long period of time, to now being one of their senior players. So we're seeing the transition. We've seen guys like Jake Friend, Boyd Cordner, the Morris Twins... They are now gone, and it's well and truly a new generation. And we saw, started this year, it has taken them some time to readjust from losing such influential players. But the Roosters, it's very scary, because we can see before our very own eyes that the next crop are coming through. Roosters in a big position to win this premiership now, as are the Storm, if they can just lift. They need to find another gear. That is the thing. But we do know Melbourne Storm have another gear. We've seen it when Munster's gone to fullback. We've seen it when Jerome Hughes really lights up. And I cannot wait to see how both these sides go in the final series. In terms of my MVP for this game, I've gone with Joey Manu, who I've spoken about many times on the podcast. The fact that he's playing in the centres is wild. Like, he could be a 5'8 fullback anywhere else. He could be earning a million dollars. But they've got Joey Manu with Tedesco, with Suali'i, with Sam Walker and Kiri. And they're just hitting their straps. Most valuable player, Joey Manu, scored a try, 172 run meters, had a line break assist, and eight tackle breaks. So Joey Manu, again, he's been someone who rose a little bit quicker through that Roosters' rite of passage than someone like a Nat Butcher. But Manu was always destined to be a star, and he has been for quite some time. But the fact is, now he's gone from being like, oh wow, this is a great centre, potentially best defensive centre in the game, and one of the great attacking centres, and now he's just one of the elite, absolute top of the crop across the whole competition in any position. Joe Manu, a fully-fledged star, and that's what I mean. Like, Roosters now have time to bring through these next great young kids, the next Joey Manu, or equivalent. And Joey Manu, he's taken his game to that next level. He's now playing at the absolute height of his potential. It's, it's amazing. I am definitely in awe of what the Roosters have been able to do. Trent Robinson, a master coach, and the man he beat in this one, Craig Bellamy, a master coach as well. So both these guys, you cannot write them off come finals time. And I'll tell you what, I cannot wait for round 25. Storm against the Eels in Sydney. That is the game of the round. And the Roosters and Rabbitohs, the oldest rivalry in rugby league. Two sides who are humming. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see. Who gets the win heading into the final series? Of course, Rabbitohs beating the Roosters a bit earlier this year. So plenty of bad blood. Not to mention the signings over the years. There have been huge ones. I believe Ron Coote was one of the major ones back in the day. Think about Latrell Mitchell leaving the Roosters for South Sydney. Angus Crichton was a really big deal when he decided to leave the Rabbitohs for the Roosters. And even... This year, Daniel Saluka for Fita, mid-season, going from the Roosters to the Rabbitohs. And it's actually just been announced that the winger Jackson Paolo 
who had been under some really unwarranted, some warranted, but some really unfair criticism and even death threats. Uh, the South Sydney player Jackson Paolo, it's been rumoured that he has signed a two-year deal with the Sydney Roosters. So look, players going back and forth, there is a genuine rivalry here. The fans don't like each other. And look, the players probably do like each other. But when that siren goes and the game starts, well, they aren't going to like each other. I tell you mu- that much. Tell you what, they like it more than each other. That's a victory. And that's the chance to win the premiership. So all friendships are going to be put aside. And there is going to be a real extra element of build-up. Let's not forget, late last year... Latrell Mitchell, Joey Manu, that collision that shook both sides' seasons up. Manu missing the rest of the season, Latrell the same. Now they are both here, they are both a major part of their side's premiership push. We have some awesome games coming up next round, but let's stick with the ones that we have in round 24 and let's get amongst Super Saturday. freaking weekend now at the destination capital to get down and party on the weekend canberra gio stadium and for the canberra raiders it's destination final series raiders 48 manly sea eagles 6 dear oh dear just a phenomenal display from the raiders they were all over the sea eagles hudson young scoring a double the tries just kept coming The tries just kept coming. Raiders now sitting in 8th spot and looking very much likely to qualify for the final series. An unbelievable effort from the men in green. We know the Raiders can compete with the best. They just lack the consistency to do so. But they are genuine dark horses in this competition. I have loved what I've seen from the Raiders in recent weeks. Jack Whiten and Jamal Fogarty, I'm a huge fan of that halves combination and I think bringing over Fogarty was a really smart move and he was sorely missed through the opening months of the season. For the Seagulls, another failed season, they have fallen apart. After last year, Tom Trebojevic, everything that went down, we expected so much from them this season and were given so little. And now the Seagulls well and truly capitulating in these final weeks. My MVP for this game, Hudson Young. Sorry, I also forgot. There were some departing players from the Raiders. Chance Nicole Clockstard, Ryan Sutton, Josh Hodgson, Harry Rushton. And I believe there was one other that is escaping me. Adam Elliott. Oh yeah, he's off to the Knights. So some departing players from the Raiders as well. They were honoured during this final home game of the season. Now, on to my most valuable player, Hudson Young. I genuinely believe we are going to see him selected in the Kangaroos' end-of-season World Cup squad. He could be the best left-back rower in the competition. He's at least thereabouts, and I think he needs to be put into the Kangaroos' system. He's really been delivering this year, and in this game, Hudson had two tries, ran for 122 metres, two line breaks, and five tackle breaks. This guy is an absolute game changer, and now Hudson Young and his teammates are seemingly finals bound. Some other notable statistics, Xavier Savage had a really good game, scored a try, ran for 226 metres. The Raiders' left side, they were on in attack. Obviously, you had Hudson Young on the left, but then you also had Seb Chris and Jordan Rapiner. Rapana having a try, three line breaks, 208 run meters, and a try assist, while Seb Chris produced a try, two try assists, two line breaks, and six tackle breaks. So it was that left edge all day that were causing the Sea Eagles problems. And for Manly, that's a side that has been targeted all year. Daily Cherry Evans constantly a target on that side, and Raiders exploited that beautifully in this one. Massive shout out as well to the Raiders front row. They were absolutely on point. Tarpane and Josh Papali'i once again delivering the goods. And the Raiders halves, who I just gave a rap to, Whiten and Fogarty, 
four try assists between them. So they're doing exactly what you want your halves to be doing. And Canberra just quietly have worked themselves into some decent form on the eve of the finals. They could be the dark horses. Who knows? Anyone that's listened to this podcast knows that they are definitively my second team. So with the Warriors out of the running, I have my full Canberra green machine mode turned on and I'm excited to see what they can do. Firstly though, they are going to have to travel to Leichhardt, final round of the year, and beat the Tigers to solidify their place. Whilst for Manly, they take on the Bulldogs, not much on the line there. No spoon implications, no top eight implications, mainly just implications for both clubs going forward. Now I'll jump into those games along with all the fixtures for our final round in the Not Just a Sports Report round 25 preview. There's also the best cut, best haircut in the NRL. That is going on at the moment over on our Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report. And we are down to our top eight, the eight best haircuts in the NRL. We are going to find out which one is the best. So stay tuned for that over on our Instagram as well as the NRLW Weekend Wrap. Also going to be covering UFC Paris this weekend, so if you're into that, we're going to have a preview and predictions, and also a live reactions podcast. And over on the Instagram, AFL Hot Tips, it's returning for the final series, Spicy Food, AFL Picks for Week 1 of the Finals. But that's all to come. That's on the Instagram and a couple of podcasts coming up. But let's stick with the theme, NRL Round 24 Power Hour, and it's time to get into our next clash. On to the Saturday evening clash at Shark Park. Farewelling some great players as well, Aiden Tolman, and of course, Premiership winner, Try scorer in the grand final, Andrew Fafita. And the night belonged to the Sharks, who, in a pretty tough contest to be honest, managed to outclass a valiant Bulldogs outfit. Sharks 16, Bulldogs nil. Despite the scoreline, I thought the Bulldogs' heart was on display. We've seen how some of the other sides have performed with nothing to gain. Their season is done. They had every reason to just come in at half strength up against the Sharks, but they didn't. They really played like a side that wanted to win, and if I was a Bulldogs fan, I would still be happy with what I saw from the side. For Cronulla, they were clunky, but the win sees them move into second spot, although that is all at stake because Panthers going to be resting all of their best players up against the Cowboys. So Sharks, it looks like As a result of that, they may finish the season in third place, but we'll wait and see. Very interesting developments. Sharks, though, they're not going to be too concerned with where they finish. They can only control what they can control, and they are looking to gain the premiership. So it's a very exciting time for the Cronulla Sharks. We saw a quality debut as well, Kyle Iro, who, uh, or Iru, who I've been noting for a little while. He was in the Warriors system a few years ago. And look, he's been across the competition, spent a bit of time at the Knights, and it's taken him some time to develop. But here he is. I thought he had a really good game, although at times his hands did let him down. It was a great display, though, of the depth that the Cronulla Sharks have. They are always able to call up quality players, and they're missing a few few of their best. And still, these guys who come up from the Newtown Jets and Shark system, they just deliver. And this was another case of it. For the Bulldogs, there's a talk that they are searching for a fullback and a halfback. So what that means for Jake Avarillo and Kyle Flanagan, we'll have to wait and see. But Bulldogs seemingly putting it out there that those are the big moves they are looking to make. As for the Sharks-Bulldogs game, my most valuable player, Ronaldo Mulatalo, who scored two tries, ran for 157 metres, three line breaks, and six tackle breaks for the Sharks winger. I thought he had a quality game, where the Sharks, they were clunky, as I mentioned. They couldn't quite get over the line for a lot of their attacking plays. Mulatalo, 
He was that finisher that they needed on the day. Two of their three tries. So he was my most valuable player. I thought Matt Moylan had a terrific game as well. Two try assists and 137 metres. Sifa Talakai, the wrecking ball, he definitely made an impact. 206 run metres as well as seven tackle breaks. Kyle Iru, the uh, debutant that I mentioned, 12 tackle breaks. Lot of Sharks fans saying that he reminded them of a young Valentine Holmes. So plenty of praise. 12 tackle breaks on debut. We could have one to watch here, folks. Blake Braley, he has been one of the form players of the competition all year. And defensively, he's been so sound. 49 tackles with only one miss in this game. Blake Braley on both sides of the ball is an elite player. I thought Cameron McInnes as well continued to show why he's been such a fantastic signing for the Sharks. He had a really quality game, and I think his leadership has added so much to the Sharks pack. Next up, Dogs play Manly, Big Whoop respectfully, and Sharks, they travel to Newcastle to play the Knights. And that could actually end up being quite a tricky day. Old Boys Day as well, so Knights going to have plenty of reasons to show up. And for the Sharks, well, do they finish second? Do they finish third? It is interesting because there is a difference. They have to play either at home or travel to Townsville. So it is a big difference between finishing second and third. And a lot of the decision seemingly taken out of their hands by the Panthers' decision to rest their players in the final round. Should be an interesting game though, Sharks and Knights, but let's get on to the Saturday night game now in round 24, where the South Sydney Rabbitohs responded up against an enthusiastic Cowboys side. Rabbitohs getting it done 20 points to 10 against the Cowboys, which sees the Rabbitohs move into seventh, looking most likely that they will probably play the Roosters again in back-to-back -back weeks come the finals. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out for South Sydney. For the Cowboys, they fall to third. But as I've mentioned a few times, against Penrith, North Queensland are going to have this unbelievable opportunity to claim second spot on the ladder. Highlights for this game, we saw Murray Talangi cross for the first try. Now, first points scored were by the Rabbitohs, penalty 2-0. So after the Taolangi try, it was 6 points to 2. Then Kieon Kolamatangi scored for the Rabbitohs, and Alex Johnson went in before half-time. Then, close to the end of the game, Kyle Felt scores an epic chip-and-chase try. That makes it 14-10 with only 12 minutes to go. So Cowboys still well and truly in with a shot. Then we see Cohen Hess pull off a really ugly high shot on Campbell Graham. So with that, Cohen Hess likely to miss a couple of weeks. That'll be a big loss because he's definitely worked himself into some decent form. Then Kyle Felt was sin-binned for a professional foul. And this chance that the Cowboys had to win the game was slowly dwindling. Right at the end as well, Tom Burgess scores a try to seal the game. Rabbitohs get it done 20-10, and they are still well and truly in the Premiership race. So I cannot wait for finals. We are only one round away now. So very, very quality. Rabbitohs doing this with no Damian Cook as well. They may miss him again in the final round. So that's a big loss, Damian Cook with COVID protocols. Rabbitohs, well, they've secured their final spot. They are in seventh. And we're going to have to wait and see exactly what they can do. They're going to have to face the Roosters, not just once, potentially in back-to-back -back weeks. So it only gets bigger and more important as each week goes on now for Souths. And my MVP in this one, as he's been in many games recently, Latrell Mitchell. 173 run meters, two line break assists, one try assist and five tackle breaks. Up against the second or now third-placed Cowboys, that's no laughing matter. Latrell Mitchell, the form player of the competition, and he's going to need to keep that form. Round 25, Rabbitohs up against Roosters. And for the Cowboys, 
they host an undermanned Panthers side with the ultimate chance for North Queensland to claim second spot. With that being said, we've got 10 or so minutes of the Power Hour podcast left, so two games to go. I'll try to get through them nice and quickly, and then, of course, we'll finish off with the four performance highlights. Let's get amongst the Sunday games. Kicking off the Sunday games, we had, well, could you believe it, the Dragons edging out the Tigers in a thriller? Can we call it that? A thriller? 24-22 full-time, Dragons escaping with the win. That ultimately means nothing because they're like 10th. It means, it does mean things. Like Anthony Griffin would be relieved with the win. But yeah, ultimately this game, not much on the line other than the spoon implications. Jaden Sewer scored the first try for the Dragons. Cody Ramsey, professional foul Sinbin. And that kind of turned the tide in favor of the Tigers. Now, New Brown scored the try for the Tigers to get back into the game. And then we saw Jack Bird sin-binned. So, already, two players from the Dragons sent to the bin. And then we see Tom Freeburn in the back row, scores a double. First try in the NRL, then his second try in the NRL, and wasn't the big man pumped. Good to see a success story like that, of a guy who's been grinding at reserve grade level, and... With those two tries, the Tigers entered half-time 16 points to 6 up. After half-time, Dragons got back into it with a Tau Tau Moga try, and then Tau Tau nearly scored again if it wasn't for an epic Adam Duahy try saver. That just showed how much this game meant to someone like Adam, but they couldn't stop the Dragons for too long, and Zach Lomax leveled the scores, scoring a try, 16 points all. Then Jock Madden scored for the Tigers, and I tipped the Tigers. I was like, shit, is this actually going to happen? But yeah, Jock Madden scores a try. Seemingly could be off to Penrith Panthers. So just as quickly as Tigers identify a good talent, he's off, potentially. Watch this space. Hasn't been announced yet. But Jackson Ford, end of the game. He scores a try for the Dragons. They go up 22 apiece, so they actually don't go up. I'm losing my brain toward the end of this podcast. It was 22 all. And then Asu Kapoa, high tackle on Zach Lomax. Penalty, and a penalty goal wins it. Kind of fitting for a game that, yeah, I honestly, I didn't watch the Sunday games. I'll put that out there. I watched a bit of the Titans because I had money on them, but... Mmm, this Sunday left a lot to be desired. No offense to the teams involved. But, I mean, if you have a reason, honestly, why you were hanging all week to watch these games, I would love to hear it. I'd love to pick up some of your enthusiasm. Now, Ben Hunt, a lot of talk around his contract. Dragons, I don't know what the go is. Their salary cap, the situation with Anthony Griffin, their low-balling Ben Hunt... Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a watch this space. Let's see how it all unravels or comes together over the off-season. For the West Tigers, another loss, but there are positive signs you can take from that. Big response after having 72 points put on them last weekend. My MVP in this one, Jaden Sewer, scored a try, ran for 222 metres. So Jaden Sewer making a big impact had a line break assist, six tackle breaks, and 20 tackles. He's also been named as one of the players, potentially, who may be facing a bit of unrest at the Dragons. I know a side, there are a few sides that would definitely pick him up, so yeah, I don't know what's going on at the Dragons. And at this point, I'm not super invested. Sorry. I mean, if you're a Dragons fan, I can understand why you'd be invested, but I'm just like, what's going on? And then I kind of just want to see it play out. I, I don't need to speculate for too long what's actually going on. Let's see what does happen. Now, Tom Freeban, he had a sensational game. Two tries, six tackle breaks. Adam Dewey 
was very quality. Two try assists as well as that epic try saver. And Dane Laurie, he's been one of the Tigers' best seven tackle breaks for Dane. Next up, Dragons play the Broncos. Huge game. And Tigers play the Raiders. Those are two games I will definitely be watching. And Dragons and Tigers now find themselves in games that have quite a lot of meaning for the season's end. So definitely going to be interesting to see how we go. We've got about four minutes left on this podcast. So look, the last game, as I said, I wasn't super keen for the Sunday action. Watched a bit of this one. Titans 36, Newcastle Knights 26. And I think we can make this one a rapid one. Tino Fasua Malaawe, he was awesome. 35 tackles, 257 run meters. AJ Brimson had a really strong game. Greg Marziu. Titans, there are positive signs. I'm interested to see how they go next year. And I hope they go well. And for the Knights, just another loss in a poor season. At this point, I'm just a bit whatever. Like, there were spoon implications here. But as far as this game, not too much on the line. Except there was there's a lot that can go wrong if you continue to lose. So still, a very important game. Titans, jagging a couple of wins at the back end of the season to ease the pain of what's been a torrid year. And Knights, well, I think they're just excited for Mad Monday. Although, who knows, maybe they won't even get one. It'll be like, nah no, Callum Ponga, Kurt Mann, no Mad Monday shenanigans. So, we'll have to wait and see. I know who's not going to be at Mad Monday. And that is Hayden Knowles, the trainer who has quit the Knights. What's going on at the Knights? Well, this is the NRL Power Hour podcast. I couldn't sum up what's going on at the Knights in just three minutes. But what I can sum up, well, those are the performance highlights. So to finish the podcast, it's now time to get into our top performers. All right, let's finish off the episode right at the end. And looks like we're going to get bang on for an hour. My X Factor player of the round, round 24, King Gutho. Clint Gutherson tore the Broncos apart. He was my best player for the round. And this one was actually easier to pick. Usually very difficult to pick. But Clint Gutherson with a huge performance as we get toward finals. Storm and Eels, isn't that going to be something special? And they are definitely going to need a repeat effort from the king. Clint Gutherson, round 24's X-Factor player. Then we had the Tough Stuff Award, also going to a Parramatta Eels player, Sean Lane. He's in career best form. He made a huge difference, ran for over 150 metres, 13 tackle breaks against the Broncos. And Sean Lane, look, I thought all of the Eels forward pack had a huge game, but Sean Lane, he could be a real key piece to the puzzle Come September footy, and it's Monday, 29th of August. September fucking footy is pretty bloody close. So, exciting times. Sean Lane gets the Tough Stuff performance highlight. My rising star? There are a few this round, but I've gone Albert Hopawate. He now gets a nomination, along with all the other players from the NRL. So, we now have 24 nominations. And there can only be a top four, which on our Instagram not just a sports report. You'll get to vote in about a week or so to crown, can't speak English, sorry about it, to crown the first ever not just a sports report rising star. Right now, there is a very clear-cut top five that sit above the rest, but Instagram, the polls, will only let me have four options. So I have to narrow that five down to four. I think I know a superstar young player who's unfortunately going to have to miss the cut, but there is still one round and one Rising Star nomination to go, and then you'll be able to vote for it. So round 24's nomination, Albert Hopawate from the Canberra Raiders. And to finish us off on an unfortunately negative note, the cause for concern, Brisbane Broncos. The wheels have fallen off. 
They look done. Their body language suggests they are done for season 2022. And my time on this podcast suggests that I am done for today. So cause for concern, round 24, Brisbane Broncos. Can they perform a miracle in round 25? Well, we'll have to see. I, of course, will be back in a couple of days with the round 25 NRL preview, the final regular season round before we launch straight into the final series. And of course, next weekend, I'll be back for the NRL Power Hour podcast and I'll be going through everything. We will have our finals set. It's an exciting time to be an NRL fan. So a lot to look forward to, but that is it for today. I hope you've enjoyed the NRL Power Hour podcast round 24. And until the weekly preview, round 25 that is it thank you so much for listening this has been a mouthful my goodness and most importantly take care of yourselves